0: Boo. Recorded live from Stockton, California. This is Jamming with the Best.
1: Well, hello. What's up? We got another hey. guest. And, yeah. and Crash is back
2: again. I we can't.
0: This is like three in a row. Yeah. Watch uh, out. This trifecta. We got mm-hmm. like
2: only anything can happen. We only come with guests. And I'm drinking now. more now yeah. too. So that's
0: Basically. good.
1: We got Mo with disc golf pro tour.
2: Yeah. Thank you, dude. Mo,
3: What's up guys. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah,
2: absolutely.
1: So I became a kind of a fan of yours following you on Twitter more than anything. <laughs> and I love the basketball content because I'm a huge basketball fan and you're, are you from Chicago?
3: Uh, yeah, that's where all, well, I mean that's a that's a loaded question, but yeah, that's where I grew up, <laughs> Chicago.
1: Yeah, so I know you're a Bulls fan, so or ex Bulls fan.
3: Ex Bulls fan, yeah. I so there was a period this year where I was in such like it was so painful to watch the team that I just like I couldn't do it anymore, and for about a week. I was like a die-hard Grizzlies fan. I was <laughs> yeah, just like, I'm I out.
1: John Morant cards. <laughs> I love it.
3: <laughs> I'm out on the like. I just woke up one day and I'm like, I can't do this anymore. Like it was just hurting so much. So I changed my avatar. I changed everything. I changed my my name to yeah. like Grizzlies fan Mahmoud Bahrani. Mm-hmm. and then I just like was all in on the Grizzlies because I I was so obsessed with John Morant going into the draft, yeah. and I was so convinced that we were going to get the number two overall pick that I was just like. <laughs> i'm in on this guy i'm just a john Morant fan so then when we didn't get him and he went to the grizzlies i was like well this is an easy transition for me i've already been a fan of this dude so yeah
1: who did you guys draft but was it kobe white
3: we drafted kobe white yeah
1: who's yeah. not terrible yeah that's it's not he's not john Morant, though <laughs> <Is> that the <laughs> nicest thing you can say about him he's, he he could be a pretty good player yeah i, I he just like can't be the, like the guy
3: that's that's the that's like the description of the entire Bulls organization. Well, you know, it's it's not terrible.
1: <laughs>
3: yeah, it's,
2: fandom is it's not, so tough, and well, it's like yeah, it's, it's something it's, you have no control over. It's why I love basketball <laughs>
1: so much more than any other sport because I don't. I'm never not you're a fan of more any control. team. Yeah, yeah, you're a player you fan. Control. I'm a player fan.
3: <laughs> so, uh, so, so that's inter- Like, okay. I don't know. With the Bulls, it's like I can never. It's the only thing I care about that I. I know is stupid. Like I, I yeah. know that it doesn't matter. And I know that it like has no effect on anything in my life. They don't care about me, me personally at all. <laughs> yeah. And no, like, they
0: don't. But it's, but I
3: remember, I remember like bad years of the bulls. Like the, when they had bad seasons, like I remember that genuinely like affecting my day to day life. Wow. I was like, Oh yeah. be upset going to class or just like, like the year before we got D-Rose. So the 2007 season was just like, Abysmal. It was terrible. It was one of the worst years. It was the year we uh we got rid of uh, uh, Vinny Del Negro when Paxson like choked him. Yep, uh, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, so it was just a terrible year to be a Bulls fan. And then they got D Rose, and then you know obviously that all changed. But uh, I just remember 2007 being like like a genuinely difficult year for me because of how bad the Bulls were. Like, and that's that's so stupid. Like, there's no reason for it to matter. But like.
2: It's even it's, sillier when you're aware of it too. And I'm the same way. So it's no judgment, but like it's, yeah. that's a hundred percent true. <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah. And it's like I, I've wanted to get into other sports. Like, I, there was a couple of years there where I was like, "Let's get into the Blackhawks," and the Blackhawks were really good. Yep. And my dad's a big uh, Liverpool fan. And he's been trying to get me to be a Liverpool fan since I was like a kid. But like, I have too much emotional energy invested in the Bulls to like. I don't want to <laughs> care that much about anything else. Like, yeah. I just like that's too much like love for one thing. Like, it's I don't. Not worth I the risk, man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So. And like I cared about the White Sox for like one a couple seasons where I was like all in on the White Sox, but then uh, even that like
1: what year was that? I, How good was their team?
3: The 05 season when we won all right. the World all Series. That's
2: right. a good year at least.
3: Yeah, exactly. It's a good year to go
2: all in. I have a feeling that it's tied. <laughs> it's Just a like the Blackhawks. Yeah. Hey, the Blackhawks are good. Like I'll give this a try. Yeah, I can exactly. Talk yeah. With hockey. I'm
3: a huge yeah. I'm a huge like Fairweather fan when it comes to every team except for the Bulls. Like yeah. yeah. Yeah, the other ones like if the Blackhawks are good, I'll watch the Blackhawks. When the Cubs won the World Series, I was like, Whatever, I'm gonna root for the Cubs. I don't really care too much. But the the Bulls, I don't care if the Bulls like I watch every game. Doesn't matter if the Bulls are terrible. Yep. And it says a lot about me as a person that, like, I just can't like not watch them. Like, it hurts to not watch them. It's it's weird. It's uh, I think it's yeah. something
2: that all like diehard fans deal with. That's me. It's the Chargers in the NFL, whether they're one in fifteen, and I'm in eighth grade, and I'm watching every single season. <laughs> I remember that was a that was a I tough remember, eighth grade.
1: I remember when the Dolphins went one in fifteen.
2: Yeah. And it's yeah I'm fuck the Chargers by the way, Chargers, by fan, the way. So.
0: fuck the Chargers just want to let you know Dan. The
2: Raiders need to just get out of fuck the state the char- already no, if they're fuck, not Fuck the Chargers They need to just to go it. Fuck the Raiders
0: Yes we're a little yeah, we're a little stuff. hungry for some football
2: we're Hungry for any live yeah, sports Yeah just could be anything And them, we're fortunately yeah we've got disc, <laughs> disc golf pro tour coming That's yes, right Look at that segue huh? yeah, we're oh, making oh, things happen oh, over here
3: You guys are professionals that's amazing shit We have one
2: professional on the mics right now, and that would be you, sir. (laughs) (laughs) We're not
1: professionals. It's just a hobby.
2: Amateur
0: hour over here. We not only not get paid to do this, we
3: pay to do this.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So tour media manager. huh? Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah yeah <laughs> big. good question live,
0: live 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 no hey so how about that huh
3: that's exciting managing, managing the media yeah, yes sure. yes
0: yeah so how did you well, get into that that makes me that? sound like you're corralling the, uh, the, the the media like corralling the you know press passes
2: and stuff that would be a different task yeah
3: yeah I mean it's definitely a combination <laughs> yeah. of it's a combination of like doing the like administrative stuff where yeah. we're trying to like figure out who to get these places when and where and make sure that we have every card covered and uh-huh. make you know check all the boxes, make sure that like we have policies in place so like people don't like film with like a camera off on the side and then put out their coverage and you gotcha. know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, it's of just we just trying to control our you
0: control media, the image of the media. Yeah. Yeah control our media rights. And then yes. there's,
3: there's also an element of like media creation where I'm uh-huh. trying to make stuff also for the tour, whether it's putting on, uh, these interviews on disc golf network or like a lot of like, I don't know, 90% of the content on disc golf network. I'm responsible for producing, um, making podcasts, uh, the inside line podcast, which I started last year and have been carrying over this year. And then, uh, we've also been doing, uh, like a, like a disc golf TV show called inside the circle.
0: Yeah. Um, I saw that. That's great.
3: Yeah. Where we kind of like try and produce a show basically where we, it's like these interviews, but it's, you know, we, we throw up stats, we throw up B-roll and like, just kind of make a, like a polished product. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot. It's, and then i manage all our social media platforms as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a lot. It's a very small company. There, you know, there's only seven of us, I think seven or eight and, uh, and yeah, we're, we're doing a lot, but I mean, it's fun. We're flying by the seat of our pants and that's kind of what (laughs) makes it exciting. Yeah.
2: You can make a difference in, in a company that small too.
3: Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, if like if I have an idea, if like the virtual putting competition we did was like, which I don't know if you guys saw it. We basically yeah. did a mm-hmm. putting competition Definitely. between folks all over the country, just putting each other on Zoom calls, like, just like this. And uh, I mean, that came up in like a media meeting where uh, one of our media coordinators, Evan, just said like Why don't we try this? Like we've have mm-hmm. seen it. Um, we've seen it pulled off by some like so this has been, it's not the first time anyone ever has ever tried it, but let's try and put it on and make it like a real event. Yeah. And from that, like Evan's comment just sparked that whole thing where now we're spending two weeks and pouring all of our energy and effort into making this like cool virtual putting competition, which, you know, yeah. uh, I, I think people enjoyed. So, yeah, it's like, it's, it's cool that we can kind of have an idea and put it in place like relatively quickly because, you know, we're very, we're pretty agile.
2: Yeah. That's absolutely true. How how was the reception for that? Did you get uh, you know? Were you guys happy with the amount of views and engagement and such?
3: Yeah, I mean, I was actually kind of shocked, honestly. Like when, like, like when it was getting pitched, I was like, "Are people really gonna like watch people putting? Like, it's just kind of <laughs> like two yeah. dudes putting on a or two gals putting on a on a on a Zoom call, but. Um, It turned out that it's like one of our most watched things on disc golf network. It it was like everything after the live coverage. So like the, our first six of first six things in terms of views are the two rounds of Waco and the four rounds of Memorial. And the first thing after that is the virtual putting competition, which is like really impressive that that is like ahead of any interviews we've done or any, you know, any extra content that we've picked up from Memorial or Waco. So it definitely shows the um, yeah, hunger
0: of people wanting something, true. to watch and to do when they're trapped and wherever they're trapped.
3: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I, think it really speaks to our brand being like competition. Like that's, yeah, that's what the disc golf pro tour does the best right now. Is we're we're really good like custodians, stewards of competition. Like true, we 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 put on the event and uh, yeah, yeah, it's 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 cool that uh, that so many people are we're down to watch i mean we had some really cool matches like the the championship match between chandler and uh, Ch- uh chandler and reed frescura like it ended up being like really exciting It came down to the wire and uh we, all, we also had like a legit star kind of come out on the fbo side with heather young was, like she like yeah. dominated yeah she dominated the competition in a way that i think like may definitely made her some fans so it's cool that we were able to like keep player keep fans engaged with players even though there's no comp, no like disc golf per se happening
2: true you get a little bit more of the personality of the players too and kind of that intimate you get to see their setup too and then there <laughs> there seemed to be a little bit more interaction with them talking to the camera and you get a little bit more than just what you would see from round coverage, where you know as good as the round coverage can be, whether live or post production, you don't get a lot of personality from the players, and that's something that is nice about the the post round interviews that that you guys do, and like a Johnny Disc Golf. But yeah, I loved I loved seeing all of the the ancillary stuff besides just the great competition.
3: Yeah, for sure. I, I mean. me and me and ian joked about the me and ian anderson of central coast disc golf we we used to joke that like yeah 99 percent of what like you do as a post-production person is you're just filming guys butts all day like it's (laughs) like like because it's very rare that you see the guy turn around and then you're talking to the camera or something so like that was the cool thing about this uh virtual putting competition is like they, they were and very much encouraged to like talk to each other and have it be like kind of a playful back and forth and a perfect example of that is the Drew Gibson Ricky Wysocki match you can go watch that on YouTube right now and I highly encourage you to do so because Ricky and Drew are friends and they're just like Ricky's just trash talking Drew the whole time like right. it's, it's so funny oh I gotta
2: like, watch that
3: yeah it's like and news, Ricky good. Ricky's so good at putting that it's like kind of hilarious so like <laughs> Drew's putting and he's like missing and and even when he's making them, Ricky's like, you see how that sounds? I, I can't believe that's that stayed in. That sounded like a one chain putt. And then <laughs> when he great. then Ricky goes to yeah, and then Ricky goes to putt and he's like, you see how that sounds, Drew? It just sounds really full. It sounds great. And then <laughs> he's, he's awesome. saying this as he's putting, like making forty five footers. Like
2: great, it's just awesome. it sounds that's amazing. Good. <laughs> and he is yeah. so. Frickin' good at putting. Oh, man. Maybe the best putter I've ever seen. And playing with Anton is nasty. Paul is insane. Like, there's some really, really good putters in our game. Rick is maybe better than anyone. was it,
1: 2017 when he won? The first world? 2016 was his first, and 17 was his second. One of those years, I just remember, like, he threw it within, like, 65 feet. And I was like, that's in.
2: Yeah.
3: Let's count it. Yeah. He's got such crazy, like... He's got a he's got like such a crazy like hit like it sounds yeah. weird to say like you know you think about your hit when you're throwing backhand mm-hmm. but like his hit point on his putts is like like it's like an explosion and it just has so much like has so much energy that you don't imagine that a disc can go that far that easily like it's true. It's, Heiser
2: flips his putts almost he does, yeah, he does. <laughs> it's <laughs> wild <laughs> and nose down
3: yeah
1: like the disc goes up and then like it flips up and it's like all right nose down.
2: Yeah.
3: Bang. Yeah. yeah.
2: online so often. If he's missing for the most part, it's, it's high and low. Yeah. Yeah, It's fun to watch. He's insane.
3: Yeah. Dude's an animal for sure.
2: So I want to touch on your time at ESPN and how you got with the pro tour, but take us all the way back. How did you get into disc golf?
3: Uh, So the first time I ever like play, like interacted with disc golf was in high school There was a a course at a park near where I grew up called Adler Park. Um, I don't know if Brian Earhart is listening to this this podcast, Mm -hmm. but that's the same place that Brian Earhart learned how to play. (laughs) Me and and, uh, Brian went to the same high school. And uh, I used to run cross country. It was like, that's all I did. It was like, I just ran like a lot. And uh, the... The cross country course went around the baskets, and I uh, I used to like run around these things and be like, what are those? It's like seems weird to me. Like I <laughs> you know I'm just, I was just like confused by it, and uh, yeah. So I always like noticed them and thought like, oh that's interesting. But I just don't have time to play. I don't want to like interfere with my running. Um, so then I moved to California, and one day I was like a date night with my girlfriend now my now wife we uh, we bought some discs and we went out to a park that is now like infamous it's called Poliwog Park in Manhattan Beach in California huh. and in and, and like in uh, and like SoCal LA area Yeah, and that, that course got closed because a woman got like hit in the eye and, oh like,
0: I do remember yeah, that, that. Yeah. Poliwog I would figure it that sounds that, like I a I very like friendly
2: park <laughs> it
3: doesn't work to there <laughs> no. fucking dangerous we the gotta go there. golfers There's- <laughs> Shit! <laughs> like so, th- I mean that was my first round ever was at that park, and had I known anything about disc golf, I would have known that the setup was like unacceptable. Like you're just like throwing over <laughs> amphitheaters and like like overcrowded paths. Like it made no sense. It was a terrible, it's terrible disc course. Golf that it's should it's never piss <laughs> <comfortable.
0: laughs> Yeah.
3: So, um, but yeah, so we, we, I mean, we played it once, and we were like, oh, that was actually like kind of fun, and uh, it was right. This is going to get nerdy for a second, but it's right. It was right next door to um, where I used to play Magic the Gathering, which is something I'm like super into. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> so I used to like go play a disc golf round and then go play Magic. And it was like pretty easy. I, I wouldn't play that often. I wasn't like super invested in it. And then um, I moved to Connecticut for the ESPN gig. And that's where I started to, that's where I like started playing for real. Cause uh, my wife, or my girlfriend at the time moved to England to get her PhD and I was like kind of alone in Bristol, Connecticut. And, um, there was a course right down the street and I'm like, you know, I'm alone. I want to do this thing. I like doing things like solo. I'm very much like a introvert kind of like, I like doing things alone. Yeah. Yeah. And, Disc golf seemed perfect. So I would just like go play around every morning and got better and better. And then I was like, and I love competing. I'm, you know, obviously like NCAA athlete. I'm super into competing against other people. So I started playing tournaments and I got more and more into it. And yeah, I just kept on going from there.
0: Hey, wait. You said NCAA athlete. What'd you do in NCAA? Track. track. Oh, track. Did I miss that? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, cross country I bet, and track. That's awesome.
2: Yeah. He was training for it and running by the basket, <laughs> not knowing that it was yeah, going to be his full time job at jog, some point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I tr-
3: track and disc golf. Like, I will never be as into anything as I was into cross country and yeah. disc yes. and uh, track and field. Like, as much as I love disc golf, like that was that will always be like the th- like I've never. I don't ever want to be that obsessed with anything. Like that was, that was, I got, I went to a dark place with running, but, yeah, uh, that can but yeah, di- yeah. yeah, but disc golf gives me a lot of the same like energy that running gave me where it's like, I'm alone. I'm doing this thing that like, I just want to get better at for me. And, um, it's, it's just like a slow process of getting better, but you always see gains. And it's like, if it's, it's just, it's just, uh, you're just like alone in the woods too. So it's like very similar to running in that way. It's just, it's a lot of the same, a lot of things I love about running. I kind of love about disc golf too. So um, those, those two sports are actually like pretty closely related in terms of like the energy around them.
2: Just very different shapes of the people that, that do each sport. (laughs) (laughs) Although man, like the the pros these days, you're seeing get way more in shape. Definitely, yeah. still got some tubby bastards like myself, but like it's, there's like you can see some some athletes. I and see. It's exciting.
1: Getting like the guys that used to be thin are getting more muscular now too.
2: Eagles putting on a little weight. Yeah, right? yeah.
1: Simon's way thicker. They're also getting older, but Paul's thicker now. Yeah, um, yeah. They're getting older, dude. There's I think athletes, it's part of that, man. but I they're think it's kids. also they're they're working out, they're lifting weights, they're yeah, <laughs> getting bigger too.
2: <laughs> See Kevin Jones, big old ham hocks, and you feel like you got to do some squats,
1: man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're getting legit athletes now. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt.
2: Yeah, it's a, it's exciting. Paul so, Paul raised the bar. Yeah, dude, and and that's one of the things I've. God, I'm gonna misquote it. But one of Paul's quotes was like, he wished that somebody else was working as hard as him to push him more. I'm definitely paraphrasing. Yes, 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 you are. Yeah, I remember that for sure. I love that. I remember reading that quote. I'm pretty sure I was reading instead of listening to it. And like, I just, I pictured what the answer was going to be when I was halfway through it and it wasn't at all what I thought. I thought it was like, oh, you know, I, I, I should have worked harder or whatever. Like, I could have worked harder, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, I wish someone pushed me so that I would have worked harder. I'm like, fucking hey, I love that. Attitude. I would have been, yeah. like, yeah.
1: really upset if I was Ricky, though.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, they've gone a little bit, little bit back and forth with yeah. that, too. Like, 2015, I think, mm-hmm. was when he said that. And I think that pushed Rick. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. That's wild.
3: I mean, you you need someone like Paul to kind of bring everyone along. like Set the pace. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, yeah, I think Paul's been very important to the fact that everybody's just a little bit more competitive now. It's, it has a lot to do with uh, with that dude. I
2: yeah, think, for I sure. Think so he's, he's advanced the game in a few different ways yeah, you know, with the contract. The too. business
1: end is, I think, where he's made the biggest strides for the game.
2: And he recognizes that, too. I think he's very, very aware of it.
1: Yeah, for sure. It's It's almost like he needs to make as much money as possible, kind of like the same way LeBron says he'll never take less money than Max because his contract sets the contract for the rest of the league.
2: Yeah. Whereas Brady's kind of the opposite of that, where he's willing to take, you Mm -hmm. know, the hometown discount up until, you know, where he's with the Tampa Bay (laughs) Gronkineers. Yeah. I, I, I love seeing that. I am just thankful for, for what Paul's done to the sport and certainly helps us as a retailer. But, uh, you know, just as a fan of the sport for 20 something years, just, Love seeing the the shift that has happened with him being, you know, at the at the forefront, and a lot of people behind him too, for sure.
3: Yeah, I so I mean I spent a lot of time. I I tell this story all the time, but I I mean I spent a lot of time around professional athletes at ESPN. Yeah, like very like former NBA a a lot of NBA stars like Chauncey Billups, Jalen Rose. Like I I was I'm in the room with them watching games. And the way those guys carry themselves is a little different. Mm-hmm. And Paul has that same kind of like mojo. Like, I don't know. It's just the mm-hmm. way he talks, the way he like carries himself on the course. Um, you can see a little bit of that, like pro athlete swagger in a way that like, I don't really see with anyone like not meant to disrespect any the other players. They're all like amazing, but like, I don't really see that with, um, anyone else really except for maybe Paige honestly is the only yeah. other one that kind of has that same level of like carries herself just different professionalism
2: but yeah it's not
3: even
0: you know? just yeah it's not even it's not even just
3: professionalism it's like, yeah. like like you're like you're saying it's like it's, it's like confidence yeah it, it's a different kind of confidence yeah, where it's like it's, not like I think I can do this I know I can do this and it's like make it better for
0: everybody else yeah they, exactly. they know they can make the sport better for everybody behind I don't even think it's that
1: though. I think it's they literally think good. they're they know they are better they're than everybody. Good.
0: They know they're good. And yeah, they but it's the, different like the there's work.
1: been guys in the past that have known they were good and been the best in the sport. Yes. But it's a different it's different now like I understand what you're saying cuz I I was too, a yeah. No, yeah, I know, but I was a bat boy. You both were, the, and we were both, both bat, bat boys, boys buddy. We, you should know this. Then I you know, about you can tell boy, walking around the players which guys are going to make it and which guys aren't. Exactly. You can just tell. Yeah. We don't have yeah. to watch them play. Yeah, you just watch how they carry themselves, and it's a confidence. Yeah, there's
0: yeah, huge confidence.
1: Yeah, and you, I can. It's yeah. Paul
2: has that more than anyone in the sport. Stud, yeah, for sure. I well, yeah, that dude. So how, how did you get the, how did you and ESPN get together? How did you get your foot in the door there?
3: So, um, I was in LA and I was teaching, I was a high school teacher. Nice. What did you teach? Uh, math. Oh, my man. And, (laughs) (laughs) um, and then I, Saw the ESPN gig o- open up, and I thought, you know, why not? Like, and I, I applied when I was an undergrad too. Like, just uh, also as like a why not. Yeah. Um. But then I got the Teach for America thing, and I thought that just made more sense. Um. But then my Teach for America contract ended, and the ESPN thing came up. They they said, hey, want to fly out to Bristol and get interviewed? I was like, heck yeah! <laughs> so uh, they interviewed me. Uh. I mean, it was just it was for a PA job. Like, it's not like it wasn't like i was getting hired as a producer or anything yeah um but they offered me a position i said yeah why not this could be like a career i can kind of work my way up the company um i told them so yeah they yeah they offered me the job and me and my um my wife we drew drove from la drove from irvine to, to bristol connecticut wow. <laughs>
2: that's a trek. that's
3: great <laughs> yeah uh it was super fun but uh but yeah and I just started working there. Probably spent six months—not even six months. Like, so it's kind of weird because PA's at ESPN, like, they're not—we're not fetching coffee for people. Like, when you tell someone you're a PA, like, that's the thought they have that's in their right. head: is like, just PA's, like, okay. go
0: get me some coffee and a fresh yeah. newspaper.
3: Exactly, but you know, <laughs> that I mean, you.
0: <laughs> a, beer.
3: Bring that, me a beer, That's that's probably one of the reasons why ESPN has been so successful is because they like they put our PA's, they put their PA's to work. And yeah um you know That's i probably great. was prompting like turning the the wheel for the newscasters to read the the like prompter like i did that for probably like i don't know a couple months but then once you then they just kind of throw you in the fire and they're like here you go you're producing highlights now oh, cool. and um so i was i don't know i started off producing baseball highlights cuz it was the summer and by the end of the year, I was producing playoff football games. Yes, so, wow. like, that's great.
2: So, what's your yeah. what's your background as far as your schooling?
3: Uh, I went to the University of Chicago in Chicago. I don't know. Um, <laughs> the, yeah. it, it, it's it's in Hyde Park. It's uh it's on the south side of Chicago. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I I got I double majored in economics and sociology, which neither of them were like. At all relevant to like anything <laughs> I ended up doing. That's what I was thinking. Um, I was like,
2: damn. So all this video editing or whatever you had to do, I'm like that's that's not falling in line with that. But that's yeah, a fucking. Line I mean,
3: up. I was yeah, when I got to ESPN. I was so far behind because like everyone was <laughs> like, yeah, I majored in broadcast journalism, yeah, 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 like, yeah. with a with a sports concentration, and I was like, I don't know anything right now. Like, <laughs> yeah, like I literally don't know the first thing about TV. So yeah. I, I mean, I I learned it all at yeah. It's ESPN fun. Shouts to those guys for training me. But, uh, but yeah. And then, so I was, I was producing highlights for sports center and then I went from that to working on, um, ABC college football. So that was fun. Um, like doing like the half times and like the really quick turnaround stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and th- that's like more pressure than, uh, it's more pressure in that than I will ever experience anywhere else. Cause it was like, have this highlight. Re- I I literally had high- producers in my ear saying like, "I need your highlight in ten seconds. Oh, wow. Where is it? Like that. You know, it's that level of like intensity. Yeah, that's great.
2: So it's like you're the one making that fast. Yeah, that's fucking fast, man. So it's like five <laughs> or six highlights from the first half that need to be ready for the halftime show.
3: Exactly. So like you're watching. Let's say yeah. you're watching Michigan, Ohio State, whatever. Yeah. And at the halftime, you have so. At the same time that you are watching Michigan, Ohio State, and like, let's say you live in Detroit or Chicago or whatever, and you're watching Michigan, Ohio State, and another part of the country, someone is watching like Alabama, Clemson, whatever. Oh, oh so, yeah. And we're producing halftimes for both of those shows uh, at the same time. So the Alabama Clemson game goes to half and it's a little bit ahead of the Michigan Ohio state game, whatever. Mm -hmm. So you need to have the Michigan Ohio state halftime highlight ready for the, the the Alabama Clemson game. And then you need to do the same exact thing for the Michigan Ohio state halftime, which is happening like sometimes concurrently with the other halftime. So you're just kind of doing it's, it's, it's a lot of like, it's a dance. It's, it was really fun. I mean, those are like, really fun tense. days you just you get in at like eight in the morning you leave at like 12 at night you know yeah. um those are but they're fun they're just like people are yelling at you the whole time and <laughs> it's just i i love that control room energy it's always great <laughs> uh, there's nothing um, yeah, so, like there's
0: nothing like doing live entertainment yeah, dude, you know there's nothing like it,
3: it. <laughs> yeah so that was that was super fun and then uh and then after the football season was over, I I had been telling them since I got there, like, I love the NBA. I want to be a part of the NBA.
2: Nice.
3: So um, they put me – they started sprinkling NBA Tonight shifts on oh, there. So, so I used sick. to do NBA Tonight. It uh, was, like, one of the first shows I worked on that I was really into. So these, and, these
2: shows, just to interrupt you real quick, how big is oh, yeah, the sorry. staff that's that's working on that? How intimate is it?
3: Um. So, yeah, it depends on the thing. So when you're working on Sports Center, it's like – 100 people like mm-hmm. you just you just get your game and you're working on your game and okay. you kind of like you don't really talk to anyone else um with like same thing with college football like you're very close with your crew like i was working on abc so i'm close with all the abc people but you don't really talk to like any of the other college football people necessarily um nba tonight was completely different because mm-hmm we have, it's like our entire show staff is like working together to make a show that comes mm-hmm. out, you know, every day. Yep. So that was like, I think we had a, we had four people working on the show, plus a producer, plus Cassidy, the host. And, um, so yeah, it was like, you know, we had our staff meetings every day, four or five people and That's that, awesome. that, that crew is super, super tight knit. So it really yeah. just depends on your unit.
2: That's what I was curious is more of those like episodal shows, mm-hmm. what it's like and how, how big that crew is. So to uh-huh. hear that it's like four or five is, is cool that you had that sort of intimacy with, you know, with the, the, I guess the cast and the crew and just seeing kind of behind the scenes on what it takes to, to get something like that produced.
1: I want to see the fill or the room with the shack and truck <laughs> <Yeah>. and, <laughs> and all them. Oh, I'm and sure that's a, wild.
3: That's, that's TNT. Fun, yeah, yeah, I know, but yeah. it's probably
2: a fun room. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt.
3: (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I mean, we had the same thing. So we had the same thing at ESPN on the jump. So yeah, I eventually went from NBA Tonight got canceled and kind of got turned in. All the crew that was on NBA Tonight kind of got put on the jump. And the jump is all in LA. So like, and I was still in Bristol. So like, it, it was a weird thing where the show was produced out of The the producer and the talent were in LA, but all the like operational staff, like the director, the control room, all that was in Bristol. So it was kind of a weird show that was produced in two different spots. Um, But yeah, so I didn't really get to like hang out as much with the like the talent, like you're saying, like hang out with. Yeah. Uh, But there were a few times where I got flown out to do Countdown um, where you just like it's great you're just sitting in the room with chauncey billups and Jalen rose and watch them watch the games yeah, and they're just talking great. about like and they're just shitting on play. like the way that you watch them on on tv <laughs> yep. that's how they that's how they watch the game like yeah, they're just, so i awesome. mean they're, they're a little more honest but they'll be like a <laughs> little
1: more honest.
3: they'll be like oh that guy can't play that guy's trash why don't they play that guy more but you know like that's gonna be yeah funny. It's, awesome. fun, it's
0: fun stop joys of the joys of the Job.
2: I just like that yeah. there's, there's something at that caliber that, that can happen with just four or five people, and you see that show get you know aired every single day and just kind of mm-hmm. the pride that you can take in knowing that you had a big hand in putting that product out there.
3: Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I, so me tonight was four or five people. That, that, I mean, that show was really yeah. small and on at two in the morning, and no one watched it. But uh, the, I watched the it jump. For
2: sure, one hundred percent. You need a different sleep schedule. <laughs> I do.
3: but I,
1: I definitely was one of the people watching it. Yeah. Well,
3: our yeah, our West Coast audience was. The, I mean, we were definitely looking at the West, like the late night West Coast audience, because when the show's on at two in the morning, no one on the East Coast is watching it. But uh, the jump is the jump had a little was a lot bigger of a crew. We probably had I don't know like eight or nine folks, Mm -hmm. like all together. We had an AP, we had a segment producer, producer, like we had a CP, like we had all kinds of people. Um, we had a separate graphics producer, like in the, for the NBA tonight, like literally all of us did every job. Like it was like, I would do the graphics one day and the next day I would, you know, I'd be prompting because like we had, we didn't have, it's not like we had a PA to prompt for us. So then the next day I would be cutting B-rolls, next day I'd be cutting montages. So, um, very different experiences, but, the, I mean, yeah, working on the jump was, like, one of the, like, best experiences ever. Like, that show is still really special to me, and I, I, you know, I love all those people. Rachel Nichols and uh, Danny Corrales and Steve Martinez, the guys who were, who were, like, in charge of that show, the producer and Rachel, mm-hmm. obviously, um, are, like, the best bosses I've ever had. Like, um, I, I still talk to them on Twitter all the time whenever, like, games are coming up. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely miss miss those guys because uh, it was like it's I mean it's like your family when you see them every day yeah. and your work like yeah, and we all love basketball we're all obsessed with basketball so like
2: mm-hmm.
3: I, I'd go home and I'd be I'd watch at least two three games a night and the whole time we're in our Google Doc where we're all writing our ideas like oh my gosh did you just see like uh, I, I can't think of a thing off the top of my head but like did you just see that pass from Conley to to Zebo or whatever, yeah, yeah. Did you just mm-hmm. see, yeah, like, did you just see this play? Like,
2: really?
3: this guy just slipped. It would that'd be really funny for make or miss. So um, that kind of stuff was really really fun. Uh, but yeah, that's and, awesome. Yeah, I so, can do a
2: disc golf. I know, sort of. Yeah. It's 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 great how much uh, how much your life can revolve, how much your work life can revolve around sports too. If you really you know get after it and keep putting you know, put in that, that application to ESPN fly Mm -hmm. out there for an interview. It's, it's (laughs) awesome to see. So how, how was it that you were able to start to get disc golf on there? I think it started with, was it the Nate Doss? That's the first one I
1: remember like looking up. It's the
2: one I remember because they made a stamp for it too. And I remember the force, but, um, yeah, talk to us a little bit about, about how disc golf was able to, to break into ESPN a little bit.
3: Yeah, for sure. So, um, I remember watching the – this is just right when I'm starting to kind of get into disc golf, and 2014 Worlds was the first event that I, like, kind of watched, like, as it was happening and was, like, very invested in. And I remember watching – that's the crazy Worlds with, like, the insane playoff between Ricky Such a and good Paul. good Worlds. Oh yeah. So, uh, and I remember I was watching that live, like, while I was producing a highlight. I was, like, doing a baseball highlight, and I just had that up on, like, one of my screens, and I was, like, barely – Paying, uh, barely paying attention to the baseball because I was watching this crazy match between Paul and Ricky. And, uh, that's kind of when it clicked for me that like, Oh shoot, this is like, this is awesome. Like, this is not just like some weird thing that I'm into. This yeah. could be interesting to everybody. So, um, I went to the top 10 producer. So top 10 is like one of the easiest ways to kind of break in. I would say yeah. just cause like it's, it's really short clips, right? It's like, you know, 10 second, 15 second clip. And the other people that are working on it are just like right there next to you. And there's this big room called screening where there's all these computers and all the, all the shows kind of work out of that room. So like if something's crazy, happen, if something crazy is happening, I can go to that person and it like physically go to them and be like, Hey, here's this highlight. Mm-hmm. So um, I reached out to Ian at central coast I guess he was the only really the only real media at the time and just told him like, yo, if something like crazy happens and you film like a cool shot or an ace or something, just let me know, send it to me and maybe we'll see what happens. And, uh, and I did the same thing with the PDGA. I, and yeah, they just, I forgot the woman's name. It was like Pam Vaughn. I think Mm -hmm. she sent me this clip and Nate throwing this ace. And I'm like, that's incredible. That's really cool. I went to our, uh, it's called ORAD. I don't, I don't know what that stands for, but they're like our after effects people mm-hmm. and they um, put this like shot tracer on it. And it's the same, like same effect that they use for pitching. When yeah, they yeah. show like the curves mm-hmm. and pitches, it's the same thing they used to like, kind of show the track, the disc. Yeah. And, um, and then I went to the top 10 guy. I'm like, Hey, here's this clip. It's already done. I have it produced is already ready for you on QCut. you don't have to do or QCut's like a server <laughs>
0: yeah
3: you don't have to do anything just literally lift it and put it into the, your top 10 and mm-hmm. i already wrote the script for you and i did everything for you and he's like oh yeah sure i'll do it nice. and i was like oh re- really like i was like i didn't expect you to say yes like, i like the
2: silver platter like preparation that went into it like making it as as hard as possible for him to say no <laughs>
3: yeah exactly so Oh, and I have to know the guy doing the top 10 that night. So it was a little bit easier. Um, and yeah, he put it in like the number 10 play and, you know, it, it kind of just went from there when, uh, and I would just, so that that's basically what I would do is like whenever I got a, I got a cool shot, I would just go to the top 10 producer that day. I have it all done for them. So they had like, I would make it to the point where if they were saying no, it was like, going to be extra work for them to find a different play. And uh, it just kind of kept on rolling from there where we just kept play after play. And then the big turning point was the Philo albatross when, so, yeah. So that one was actually interesting because the guy producing the top 10 that night, he didn't want to put it in and I was like, all right, whatever that sucks. But I was like, so like, holy shit, this is amazing. Yeah. yeah. I I was just like, because usually if the top 10 guy says, no, I'm going to give up. But like, I was just like, no, this is insane. So I went to the morning sports center and I said, look like the top 10 for the 11 PM sports center is not happening, but I think this is insane. And I think this would be really cool if you put it on your morning show. And, uh, the next day they, they did and it went viral and Bleacher Report was doing it and everyone else was like putting it out there. In different mediums. Yeah. And then, uh, I remember the producer coming up to me, uh, his name's Tom Roche. He's like the best dude that, he's like legendary. If you talk to anybody who works at ESPN in production and you tell them about Tom Roche, he'll like, he'll, they'll know who I'm talking about. He's just like the coolest dude. And he came up to me the next day and was like, we were the first ones on that, uh, that the disc golf shot right <laughs> and i was like yeah it was the, you see it going viral all over the place that started with us and uh and he was like great let's keep doing this let's keep pushing hell it. And, yeah and I, I honestly after that like i did i didn't really do that much after that like it was just if it got tagged i see top 10 top 10 producers would see it mm-hmm. and would be like oh yeah this is cool and they'd put it on and like all that work i did before where i would like have the finished thing ready for them on a platter. I stopped doing that. I was just like, hey, it's here if you want it and you can do it if you want yeah, it's
2: it awesome. and, and they would great.
0: just starting the just to get the recognition so they would
1: so look at it more. We need to put think weight
2: to it. Yeah. Yeah. Thank, thank you. you. Yeah, thank you. Right, thank, thank you, you. you Mel, from the whole disc golf community. Uh, we appreciate it. But
3: I, well that's the I mean it's the crazy thing. I, I don't feel like I ever did that much. Cause like it's well, you're just still like
2: still doing it
0: though.
3: It but it there's a lot of people at ESPN that are huge disc golfers. Like I'm not the only one by, like there's probably 20 people at ESPN that are obsessed with disc golf. And I mean, we have, we have two, we have two courses in Bristol, like right down the street from, from campus. So like, that's going to continue whether I'm not, whether I'm there or not, like Paul McBeth's, uh, Two minute like glow yeah. highlight. I was not even the country when that happened, and everyone was like messaging me, like, "Yo, did you do this?" And I'm like, "No, dude, that <laughs> wasn't me." And it was actually this uh, Mike Bergman, who's a who's a editor at ESPN, who did that. So like, that's what I'm saying. It just it, it's not like I did anything other than realize that like disc golf is a sport like any of these sports. Sure, and,
2: you know, and and uh, props to Bergman, and we thank him for that. But you laid the groundwork. I think you're just being humble
3: uh, I, yeah, I, <laughs> you don't have to like, accept it. You got just the wheels go rolling. Yeah. You the wheels <laughs> rolling. <laughs> For sure. At, at a certain point, it's just like, uh, I w- like at a certain point, it's just kind of like being right place, right time. And like, yeah, like, yeah, all that stuff, uh, I was just very like lucky and fortunate that like the right guy was doing top 10 that night. And I, the, it was the right shot. It was like a great shot, you know, for Nate. and like all these things had to happen for it to work out. And it did. So I think it and, did.
2: And I think it would have happened another night if it wasn't that, I think just exactly, due to your yeah. persistence and it could have been someone else too, but you know what? It fucking wasn't. It was you. So thank you, buddy. Yeah. Th- and it's a great <laughs> fucking story too. Yeah. It's I awesome. mean, hell,
0: that's great. That's exciting.
2: It's cool. I, fe- yeah. I felt like, it's you know, at exciting. that point, we had a guy on the inside. I yeah, didn't no know who shit. it was. Yeah. We had somebody who's, you know, deep agent. He's, he's on deep, deep under the Deep state government. shit. Yeah. It was this guy. Yeah, this guy. <laughs> <And> <laughs> the, guy.
0: I mean, <laughs> that's, <laughs> the, that's the thing. Agent. Is
3: like, there's no way that there's not someone at like NBC Sports who isn't super into disc golf. Like, there's yeah. someone on the inside at all these places. Like, there True. has to be because there's too many disc golfers. But are they not so, being the
1: squeaky there's wheel? There's not too many disc golfers. There's enough <laughs> you got to annoy them
2: enough to do it. Yeah. So yeah, I you just gotta, called you annoying. For sure. No, I did not call him annoying.
3: <laughs> you got to be uh, persistent. That's for sure. No doubt. No doubt.
2: Yeah. So anyway, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. So when, when I guess, when did you leave ESPN? When did you go to Pro Tour? Were those concurrent? Or was there some period in between? Give us a little insight into into how that transition was made.
3: Yeah, so... There can so okay so my my wife when she came back from England after getting her PhD uh, she got a job at Columbia University here in New York City and so we were like okay cool like we can still live in Bristol and you can we you can commute to New York City it's it's relatively close um, so I would drive her on Monday morning to the train station in Bridgeport. She would take the train down and she'd stay in New York for a week and then come back. Um because she was only part-time at Columbia. Yeah. And it wasn't an it wasn't enough money for us to live in the city. Uh so the next year, so I'm working at ESPN, she's working at Columbia part-time. Then the the year after that, Columbia offers her a full-time gig and she can't turn that down. And I it didn't really make sense for us to like keep doing this commuting thing. Um, just cause it was costing a lot of money to like stay in New York for three days a week or yeah. whatever. So I was like, all right, let me see if I can get a gig with New York in, uh, with ESPN in New York. And um, it just, it was ended up being like way harder than I thought it was going to be. There aren't a ton of production jobs in New York city um, for ESPN uh, even though they have that, they have a New York studio, but there's no control rooms there. There's no actual, like not a lot of production happens in the New York studio. It's mostly, um, just it's the, mostly like the talent basically. Yeah. They just like, it's cameramen and talent. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Yeah. So I, uh, I just decided one day like, all right, this isn't happening. I haven't found a job in New York, but we need to move to New York cause she's the semester starting soon. So I, uh, I decided to leave. It was like the hardest thing I've ever done. Like I I quit my dream job. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a bummer, but like, I think ultimately it was like the right thing to do so we could move to New York and she could take this job at Columbia. Um, so I, so yeah, I was having a hard time finding a gig in New York and I called up Ian and Ian was like, yo dude, just come work for me. And I was like, that sounds amazing. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I kind of spent a year freelancing. Um, where I would work with all different disc golf crews. I was doing all kinds of different stuff. Honestly, like I was uh, writing for this MBA uh, website. Uh, I was writing for U Disc. I was, you know, filming for Central Coast. I would work on. I worked for Gomez at GBO. I worked with Terry Miller at Delaware. So like I worked with everyone mm-hmm. and. Um, yeah, freelancing was like super, super fun, and I learned like I learned more freelancing than I would have learned at ESPN because like I was definitely kind of getting into a rut at ESPN where I was just like kind of doing the same thing a lot, mm-hmm. and I really, I mean, one of the one of the only things that sucks about ESPN is that it's like so competitive, and there's so many incredibly talented people there, and and there's very few positions available for those very talented people, so. Um, it's really easy to kind of get shut out of getting promoted. Yeah. Um, so I was kind of like stuck on the jump or I was like, no one's going to leave the jump. Like we all love the show. We all love working on it. And, but there was no real opportunity for me to like move up. Cause it's not like the AP working on the jump is ever going to leave. So how can I become I can't become the AP on the jump and the segment producer is not going to leave. So the, the AP can't move up to be in a segment. Pro- it's just like,
2: there's no uh, turnover.
3: Yeah, exactly. So, um, so it was kind of a double thing where I'm like, I'm kind of stuck here. Let me jump off a cliff and try this crazy freelancing thing. And it worked out. I was like really enjoying it. I was having a great time. I got to travel all over the country. I saw more places last year than I saw my, you know, saw I've seen my whole like life pretty much. Like i saw every corner of the U S it was great.
2: And you've moved Um, around a bit too. So that's saying something
3: Yeah, for sure. Like I got to see all these, like I got to go to Kansas for glass blown. I got to go to, uh, Portland and for Beaver state and Portland open. Like I I saw a bunch of different new places that I never thought I would get to see. Um, and then I saw this, uh, pro tour gig post up and I was like, you know, freelancing has been like amazing and great and I love it, but, uh, living in New York is very expensive and you do need like I, I wasn't really pulling my weight as yeah. a as a part of the family and uh, living in New York city. So, uh, you know, I did need to find a job that like could pay me like a New York city salary basically that I could like continue to afford to live here. Yeah, And, um, so I applied to the gig and was very fortunate to get offered it. And so it was about a, I basically freelanced for a year mm-hmm. where I like learned all kinds of different skills. And so that's when I, you know, started my podcast, um, which I had the like time to do, uh, while I was freelancing. And, um, Jeff offered me the gig. I, probably, I think I started mid January, maybe even like, uh, yeah, maybe even later, later than that in terms of like when we actually like got going, going. Yeah. And, um uh, it's just been like a dead sprint since then. So, uh, it just, you know, it never stops. Like, even mean, like I see a lot of people posting like, Oh, I'm so bored with Corona being yeah. around and like, Oh, you're just trapped like, I've never worked harder than when there was like, Corona going on. Cause yeah, like same. early on we were trying to like pump out a bunch of content cause we knew people were at home and wanted stuff to watch. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, it's been a lot of work, but it's, like a small organization, it's a lot of potential for it. And we're, I'm really excited for where this can go potentially.
2: So am I, man, I'm, I'm really excited for where disc golf pro tour is headed and, you know, disc golf network and the kind of the subscription style that, that they've chosen to go with. I think there's a lot of potential there. And that even just goes back to being able to monetize the media rights. Um, (laughs) But yeah, so what, what's kind of like your, your day to day, it's tougher now, obviously with the virus, but what is your day to day when, when it's in season, if that's even really been established yet, it's hard to probably get into a rhythm with just the two events so far.
3: Yeah, it's been weird because yeah, like, we don't know what we, we're, we're all figuring it out as we go as well. Um. I, I would say my main focus is making that live broadcast as good as possible. So mm-hmm. I spend a lot of my time and energy, um, kind of organizing things around the live broadcast and making sure we have all of the things we need to make that go off without a hitch, um, and trying to like kind of add some, uh, add some like structure to what we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, like when we did the. Uh, and we did the virtual putting invitational. I had a rundown each day for, like, how the how the show would go. How the like, I mean, I know it's a live sporting event, but it's still a TV show. Yep. And um, you produce like at least in my mind, I always produce it like a TV show. And uh, I mean, and that's how we. I just took all the, all that experience at ESPN, and tried yep. to kind of port it to disc golf. And uh, I think the. Broadcast at Memorial was like was fine. The broadcast at Waco was fine, but we still have a lot of room to grow and a lot of places to get better. So, um, I mean, they, they were they were great for disc golf. Like, I mm-hmm. think the Memorial broadcast for like is probably one of the best disc golf broadcasts that we that has ever been put on. But like, I the way that I see it and the way that Jeff sees it, I know that we just have like so, like it, it's cool to look at the numbers and be like, man, everyone's like it was the second most watched thing ever, except for like Worlds mm-hmm. and you know, we got a lot of positive feedback and it's crazy to think that like, no, we know this can be like way, way better. So, um, that's why we're excited and I'm excited to keep putting on live broadcasts. I I think that's kind of going to be our, um, going to be our calling card is like that, the ability to watch like live disc golf and, uh, make that show as good as possible. That's, that's my, been my focus. So like, you know, as we head into this, uh, event here at the dynamic Disc open, but yeah, I mean that's it's been fun for sure.
2: I, yeah, I think the the live is huge. That's, so um, I I always want to say there's no one else doing it, but there have been people that have done it. Smashbox I think was you know mm-hmm. one of the yeah, first that kind of laid the groundwork for it. And there are other broadcasts, but for the most part, there's really no one else doing it. Not certainly not on this scale. And no. so I I love to see it and
0: consistency.
2: Yeah, and it's great. It's gotten it's gotten so much better. And I didn't even I oh, wasn't no, it's, bothered it's by. Awesome by the start of what, 2019 when yeah. they brought on the new crew and there was issues like, I don't know. They it just didn't bother it, me that it, much. It wasn't. Yeah. yeah so shit they wasn't perfect. You were still able you know, to watch live
0: it. disc golf and they had a few hiccups, but it wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't the death. yeah So
2: I was <laughs> super pumped for, for the first couple of events and, and how well they did go. And you know, the the incredible for our sport, you know, broadcast production quality. Yeah. And, you know, I'm I'm stoked to see where it goes. What I guess what do you see happening for the rest of this year as far as what are your goals for for the live coverage and some different things that you want to see done? Or I guess basically just what's the what's the future look like from your perspective?
3: Right. Yeah. I mean I, I just want it to be like a crisp, tight broadcast. Like mm-hmm. When I watch any TV, like when I watch like any NBA game, like I'm noticing little mistakes that like n- no one is probably noticing. Cause I've just been in that room and I've seen those mistakes up close and personal. And like, like when I'm watching a game with my girlfriend or whatever or my wife, I'll say like, Oh, that was a mistake. There was like a flash frame there or whatever. And she like, you don't notice 90% of those. You don't notice 99.9% of those mistakes. Cause there's so many people involved. There's so many layers that the, if the, there is a mistake, it gets shut down like in an instant right now where we're at, there's a lot of like visible mistakes. There's a lot of like, Oh, that's not supposed to happen. Like when the camera drops yeah. or when like, it goes to a commercial at the wrong time or when we play a clip and it doesn't like roll correctly. Like there's a lot of like (laughs) visible things that are going wrong. I want to get to the point where we get rid of the visible things that are going wrong. And then, then we can move on to like, let's figure out everything else. Like I, like everyone always talks about like, I want it to be this big, great thing with all these extra features. And I want this like flight tracker. And I'm like, let's get through step one and not have any like glaring issues First, and then then we'll move on to the next thing. But uh, yeah, I think just like getting a really tight, sharp broadcast where you can watch it and you can never think to yourself, "Oh, someone just messed up in the control room." Mm-hmm. Um, and because I mean, it's impossible. Because <laughs> right now we literally it's it's Johnny V in a control room. It's that's insane. It's, there's yeah. there's no like. In an ESPN control room, there's like no fewer than like ten people. Like mm-hmm. I would say on average, and that that's like a. I mean, let, let's let's even say the smallest control room I've ever been in, with the fewest amount of people. There's one, two, director, AD, GP, visop. So it's like what is that? Six people, seven mm-hmm, people. Yeah. That's the smallest possible control room, and <laughs> JVD is doing all that stuff by himself. Um, so we just gotta. I think getting to the point where we ha- just have like one more person or two more people to kind of have layers of uh, kind of layers of like security before like a mistake gets on air. Yeah. Um, just kind of trying to clean that up as much as possible and make it as like crisp and clean as possible. And then we can start thinking about, all right, how do we push this to the next level? Um, and we're, I mean, we're already doing that. We, we started kind of link, you know, uh, we kind of started sprinkling in different interviews throughout the broadcast. So mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, Memorial, Paul's walking up the whole nine and in that time where he's walking to the, to the hole, we can play an interview that we did with him earlier where he's talking about, yeah, whole nine is really tough for me right now because my ankle hurts or something yeah. like we're already doing like small things like that, but um, there's a lot of room for it to just get like sharper and improve in that way.
2: All right. So what is the game day crew like right now where you've got, you know, Johnny V by himself in that control room and you've got obviously the cameraman, give us some insight into what kind of the other positions are and what they do.
3: Yeah. So, um, you got JVD in the control room. You got, uh, I think he's got Gary to the O doing graphics (laughs) for him in Milwaukee. Uh, we, so for the first couple of events, I was on a camera, so I was doing, uh, I was doing throw cam. Sam Gaddis, uh, one of our media and coordinator or media uh, media ops guys, was doing b cam. He's he is, in my opinion, the best b cam in in the business. He's like a sensational b cam. Nice. Um, and then we had Evan Gaddis, who's our other media uh, uh, media and ops coordinator. What's that?
1: Not the baseball player Evan Gaddis, right?
3: No, no, no. Different Evan Gaddis. Doesn't like <laughs> baseball, <laughs> baseball at all. He's got
2: the name for it. Big old dude. On that. Yeah. But no batting gloves.
3: <laughs> dude, deep you know, dive Moise, into baseball yeah, <laughs> yeah. boom hey Moise lewd, right no, yeah yeah,
1: Moise yeah he had some things about him he's just <laughs> yeah. supposedly things. pee on his hands to give him calluses
3: <laughs> <It> <laughs> i works, remember that huh? i i, I, I remember that, that cubs team because like That's dude awesome. i that that was like the only cubs team that i was like super into because uh because obviously the cubs were good and yeah. like yeah, and I just obviously with the Bartman thing. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah. i Bartman track.
0: Bartman's tangent Sorry. right now. We do tangents a lot.
3: <laughs> All I'm gonna
1: say is that nobody would hate Bartman if Moises alluded didn't freak out on him.
3: Right? If he didn't like, because he wasn't gonna catch it, but like Whoa. he throws he this throws, thing down yep. and he makes it seem like he's gonna catch it, and now everyone <laughs> hates this dude. He has to go in like protective custody. He's not even a Cubs fan anymore.
2: Me. I don't think. No, he took his headphones head 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 off, head off head man. Head <laughs>
3: I would expect nothing less of a Cub Fucking and awesome. a Cubs fan. Uh, <laughs> Ooh, shots fired. <laughs> that's it. that's what Cubs fans do. They just get angry because oh, they just shit. have nothing, and then it, anyway. And when you've been
2: getting uh, angry for a hundred years, you become very very good at it. <laughs> it's the First yeah. instinct. <laughs>
3: <laughs> that's that's super funny, but uh, but yeah. So and then that's it's us three as the cams, and then we have Jamie and Nate and Val in California. Mm-hmm. or not in California, or in gold. Oregon. Yeah. Or, yeah, Oregon doing the, uh, doing the commentary. So, uh, that's the crew right now. And so we're going to try something new for the dynamic disc open that I'm actually really excited for. I'm actually going to go to Milwaukee instead of going to Emporia. And there's a couple reasons for that. Uh, Emporia has a quarantine right now on people from New York city, understandably. Uh, so because yeah, this yeah. is the gl- yeah, global oh, shit, center yeah, of, yeah. Of, the, of the pandemic But we looked at it as like an opportunity. Like what if I go to Milwaukee instead and sit in the control room with JBD? That's good. Yeah. So this actually might, it actually might be great because when I was on the, so I would be on the camera, like shooting and trying to like get every shot. And at the same time I would be on the phone call. What's that?
0: And directing.
3: Yeah, I'd be, on the, well, I'd be on the phone call with JVD like, hey, JVD, remember you have that asset of, uh, of Paul McBeth talking about whole nine. Be sure to run it. And then go to, the, and then, so like, I'm trying to produce like, and that you shouldn't do that. You 100%, no, you
0: should that, not.
3: There, yeah, th- there's nothing that pisses <laughs> off a director more than when a producer tries to, so th- there's, there's layers yes, to it. Yes. There's nothing that pisses off a producer more than when the talent tries to produce. Yeah. There's nothing that pisses off a director more than when a producer tries to direct. Yeah. Yes. So, we Stay were doing all lane. these things. Yeah.
0: Get off my shoulder, right?
3: <laughs> yeah. So we were doing it. We were doing it wrong, like on a multiple level. So hopefully, with me in Milwaukee, I can just produce and just be like, like talk to the talent. Hey, Jamie and Val, there's a clip of Paige Pierce talking about her win last year at yeah. whatever. And JVD can just focus on talking to the cameras because right now JVD has to talk to Nate and Val at the same Nate Val and Jamie at the same time, he's talking mm-hmm. to the cameras yeah. and just coordinating that is really, really difficult. Like no one has to do that ever. yeah um, So hopefully we can make it more like how at least the shows that I got used to producing or being a part of at ESPN where the director talks to the cams and make sure that the show looks great. And, and the director talks to the producer and producer talks to the talent. And that's like kind of keeping the lines of communication, um, very streamlined so that you don't have like whenever JVD would say something to Nate and Val as a cameraman, I'm hearing mm-hmm. all this in my ear Yeah. and it, it's just getting like, it gets really confusing because you don't know who's talking to who. And sometimes JVD, like the action's always happening. So JVD needs to be talking to the cameras the whole time, but at the same time he needs to be talking to Nate and Val because they need to know what's happening. So it's it just like our communication wires got crossed because we were trying to do too much. So, I mean, who knows? Like, maybe this Milwaukee thing will actually be like a blessing in disguise, and will be like pretty cool that I'll get to go to Milwaukee, and yeah. it'll actually work out. It'll actually work out, and that that might just be like the best way for this to happen, and we haven't figured it out yet. So,
2: yeah, that's cool. I think that that yeah. might work well, and something that that people will you know probably not necessarily notice on on the the viewers end, but something that I'm excited for now that we know to to see what kind of differences you know we we might be able to see or even what you're saying earlier where there's just less things that you notice that are that are mistakes or whatever i think exactly. it will be cool yeah. that this this definitely sounds like something that I really just like, in the right direction.
0: I really like good clear com- conversation. <laughs> <You know? laughs> everybody on the, same, right. everybody on the same channel, you know, just uh, trying to give directions between cameras and talent. Well, that and sounds like that's, that's rough. That's not easy to do. It's
2: just the, I think the thing that you have to do with such a, a, a small, sport compared to certainly all the stuff that you're covering at ESPN or you've got seven to eight people on staff at disc golf pro tour. You have to have people wearing three or four different hats. It'll be nice to, to take one of those hats off of, you know, Johnny V and have him be able to do that and, and something less for you to do where you're not filming and you can dive in and start to, you know, to, to just really focus on the producing. end. I think it's, you know, it's some of the top content coming out in disc golf right now and it's, it's getting better it's only gonna get yeah
3: for, yeah for sure like I think uh, like being part of the like collective effervescence that's part of what makes sports so great and um, that's what I mean that's what life live sports are the only things thing on network TV that isn't tanking right now yeah and that's that's I mean that's because you can't like be a part of something like when you're watching the thing, that's the only time that the conversation about the thing is happening. Yeah. Like yeah. you can't be part of the conversation of the yeah. thing like the next that's day. What no. That's what makes Twitter. That's what makes Twitter
1: huge. And I'm so exactly. excited that disc golf Twitter is starting to happen. Yeah, <laughs> like it took so long.
3: I I'm doing my best. I'm I, I I'll readily admit that I spend way more time trying to build up our disc golf pro tour Twitter following than like any other <laughs> ones. Like, that's I just, fine.
1: Yeah, that's all right. That was, I spend a lot I'm, of time on Twitter I'm also. Um yeah. I, I love like you, you and Hannah. Dana Vici. Uh, Dana Vici. There's a handful of like fish. active yeah, fish. He doesn't yep. like us very much, it seems. <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's just one event. Just one event. From one
1: yeah. one interaction. Hell, oh, man. <laughs> it was a it was a controversial interaction, but
2: we've had okay. a little I, bit of controversy. It was ago. during
1: the, the whole we did a March Madness last year. We did the best the greatest <laughs> oh, of all time yes. bracket.
3: Uh, and we just probably put, didn't include like Elaine King.
1: Or-
3: nope. <laughs> well, no. What we
2: did, what we did, is we had two separate brackets, but we didn't let everybody know that we were doing yes, two separate brackets before true. we released the men's bracket, and we so, didn't label the men's bracket a men's, men's bracket. bracket. That's so we fucked up, and time. you know, in yeah, a couple different spots. We definitely fucked but, up. But like, we were very aware of it, and we <laughs> wanted to do both, and we had both ready. Yeah. yeah. This is what you, so it we just didn't roll you, it out uh, properly. Yeah. So that's our only interaction with him, and
1: he was not. Nice, really. This, yeah, he went hard in the paint. He did this, go hard. This is what I, happens when you commit
0: yeah. to a drunken idea and you do it. That was a great and then idea. You think about it. It was the, a know. really good idea. Yeah, of course. Well, we yes, did do both. Like we, we did do both. do both. Yeah, anyway. but the release, really, yeah, it, it it was fun. It was fun controversy. They were yeah. both awesome. I also, we, I, mean,
1: I might have rigged it too. That's all right. Well, you
2: definitely rigged. it. <laughs> definitely
1: rigged the end. So, so that's well, I didn't so know so that, that did. eagle beat climbout. Yeah, eagle beat climbout.
3: Oh really? Yeah, it's was like gonna... when it's like when Giannis was on. Uh, what what university was it? Where he was like retweeting like the 15 seed, and he was like, yo, yeah. this dude!" When yeah. they were doing like their <laughs> best of all time,
1: uh-huh.
3: and like the 15 seed at like Fordham or whatever university it was. I was like West Virginia or something. It was like Riddle Springer. Became, like, the best player (laughs) in West Virginia history because Giannis was backing him. and stuff like that.
1: (laughs) I like chaos. I think it's amazing. Yeah.
2: Well, and then we got the PDJ mad at us, Yeah.
1: We got – yeah, we'll talk about that. Oh, shit. That's a subject. PDJ is mad at us right now. We've got Steve Hill coming on, though. Yeah, we got Steve Hill coming on next week, so.
3: Oh, that's that's exciting. So, you guys just got all the, like – you got Jeff spring and me. What and else Steve do you just do.
1: we had Steve Gans. It's not out yet. I'll do, yeah, that, tonight. Yeah. I'll do that tonight.
2: We had Gans. That awesome. was rad. And this is all coming That's off the heels of having page Pearson. Yeah, Nate Perkins and in eight. shop. That was oh, fun. awesome.
3: Yeah, dude. I, I love those guys so much, especially they're like, great. I mean, yeah, they're, they're just like super fun to, uh, like they're, they're, they're really living the life. Those guys, They, yeah, they, they, they shit, do, right. They know what makes them happy and they're doing it. So yeah. shouts to them.
2: Yeah, yeah, they're same. like, what's your next tournament? I'm like, I don't mm-hmm. know. We'll probably mm-hmm. take a month and just like fish all over the country. It <laughs> yeah. sounds fucking terrible. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
1: they're like, that. we're going to try to drive to Canada. We're not sure if we can get in, yeah. but no, if yeah. not, we'll just go somewhere else. <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah. I, I have so much like admiration for folks who like have got it, like just figured out. Cause like, if you like, if you follow me on Twitter, you know, that most of my day is like just a crisis. I'm just like, yeah. in a, <laughs> I'm just like, <laughs> like every day I'm just like, Oh man, I'm messing this up or this is not going as well as I had planned. Or why, like, what am I doing? I feel like overwhelmed. And like, I'm like, my anxiety is something different. So yeah. Um, yeah. It translates and, well to Twitter. Truth. What's that?
1: Your, your anxiety translates well to Twitter.
3: Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so I mean, Twitter is like the most introverted thing. Like Twitter is so perfect for introverts. Cause it's like, I'm going to get to talk and I don't like, it's not a conversation. Like I can walk away at any point. I can just say something and no one has to hear it. It doesn't matter. Like, that's yeah. why, that's why I'm like, I think it really just jives with me super well. But, uh, yeah, I, I I briefly workshopped an app called... Uh, the, you guys are going to love this. So <laughs> the, I had this idea for an app called Void because there's a lot of times... Like void with a Y. So, because there's a lot of times where I just like I'm on the verge of hit and send on a tweet and I want so badly to tweet this thing, but like I can't because it might get me fired. Sure. And
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> um, yeah. And la- just yeah. Send those so, like, so, like
1: DM to <laughs> me. I'm, I'm good. Yeah. yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs> I want to like, the so record. I'll, I'll give you a perfect example. I'll give you a perfect example. So, <laughs> And basically, this this app would just be like Twitter, but like you hit tweet, and then it just goes away. But yeah. you still get the satisfaction of hitting like tweet. Like it's all the app is. It's the that's the only idea for the app. It
1: just goes in uh, the void. Or I can do Or it. you could. That's I like that. Or it could do it anonymously.
3: Yeah. Just tweet or, it exactly. out anonymously. It just, yeah. It just I don't care how. I just need to like hit send somehow. That would be a cesspool and, like,
1: of thoughts, though. That would Ooh. be a cesspool. Yeah,
0: because
3: Can you imagine be all be no the filter.
2: thoughts that people no don't want filter. to send with all the vitriol that's <laughs> like, on the
1: really internet? Do they really go right into right a void, or does someone on the other end reading them all like, oh.
3: Oh, like, He wrote yes. the
1: fucking app.
0: I mean, yes. Jesus.
3: he <laughs> would go know. to a dark spot. But yeah, so when, when I was on the jump, um, I forget what I forget what series it was. I, I don't honestly remember, but it was like a game. It was like a game five or game six or something, and S- someone had tweeted like, "Oh, I wonder, uh, like, uh, is it is it going to go to a game six or something? Is it going to go to a game seven And I w- I tweeted something like along the lines of like, "Yeah, of course it's going to go to the game seven. The NBA wants there to be a game seven. The yeah. NBA wants more one more game with LeBron or something." And Rachel Ni- Rachel Nichols texted me and said, "Take that tweet down, you fucking <laughs> <laughs> idiot!" Like, <laughs> like, <laughs>
0: like we and can't make like, yeah, like, the same
3: yeah we can't make it seem like we know it's either we know it's rigged or we think it's rigged or any element of that at all like you take that tweet down idiot. And, <laughs> <I love> that. <laughs> <laughs> so like that stuff always gets me in trouble which is nice it's now nice I can just tweet whatever I want about the NBA because I'm not affiliated with ESPN anymore yeah. so I can just I can just fire off these like really bad NBA takes
1: they're the greatest bad NBA takes though. I like really enjoy your NBA takes
3: <laughs> I love them during, I love them when
1: like I happen to watch be watching some random game. Most of the time it's a Bulls game when you tweet.
3: Yeah, and- I well, I watch I watch all the Bulls games and then I have the other game on like the other game is like the game I watch on the other screen where I'm yeah. not, like I'm not super paying attention to it. So 99% of the time it's about the Bulls, but yeah.
1: It's great when you just. I'm on. I'm like on Twitter watching the game, and then you'll tweet something. I'll be like, "Oh, I just like watched that same thing," and I'd feel either very strongly in the opposite direction or very strongly in the same (laughs) direction as that. I'm like, this is perfect Twitter content.
3: Yeah, it's like when I'm watching the NBA, it's mostly just like. I used to watch games with like my notepad because it was when I mean, it was when it was more of my job. Like it would be more like serious. Like I need to like have actual thoughts about the game. Yeah. And I like I'm writing everything down in our, our team Google Doc and stuff. But now it's just like you can just fire from the hip. It doesn't even matter. Like who gives a shit? Like I'm just like. <laughs> like Kobe Black like, can't shoot.
1: No, he Kobe can. W- though. He can like, shoot. Like, but
3: Like halfway through the season, I was so frustrated with Lowry. I was just like, just just bench his ass. Like if he's gonna play like this, then why 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 are you why is he here? Like Bulls fans are killing us because they're like play this Lowry anymore. Talking no, about Markinan, Lowry right? sucks right now. Yeah, Markkinen he he like he just fell off a cliff. I don't know what the fuck happened where he just like all of a sudden can't play basketball anymore. And it's like like. Boylan doesn't stop you from like being aggressive. Boylan doesn't stop you from like I get Boylan's a shit coach and he's terrible and yeah, he's putting you not in the position to succeed. But just you can still take the ball and break the play and go to the rim and just look at him every time and be like, put me on the get me on the move. You know, like I don't know. Like Zach's got some dog in him where Zach Levine can He'll be shoot like, at
1: forty seven times in a night.
3: What what's that?
1: Zach will shoot at forty seven times a night.
3: Well, he's got to because Lowry just forgot. <laughs> just won't shoot it. Because Lowry's like, oh, a dude. coward. Like, what are you doing, my <laughs> dude? Like, I, I love Lowry as a as a player. I love him as, like, a person. I love everything he stands for. He's a, he's very much into, like, the environment and is always, like, he's a big, uh, like, you know, humanitarian and all that stuff. I love that. I just need you to, like, be more aggressive, my dude. Like, I need you to, like... Take more shots, be more aggressive, and use the fact that you're seven foot one, two sixty, or whatever, and like I don't know. Is Wendell Carter Jr. on the Bulls? What's that?
1: Is Wendell Carter Jr. on the Bulls?
3: He is. Yes, he's our center.
1: How do how do you feel about that man?
3: I I thought his rookie year that he was like one of the best defensive. Center as I've like ever, like, I thought he, he could have the potential to be like a different kind of
1: like a uh,
3: defensive center, like a Roy Hibbert, yeah, but like a, in a good way,
1: uh, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Roy Hibbert had a not a good time for a while.
3: <laughs> no, he, I mean, he fell off a cliff, but I, I'm talking like his defensive instincts were so good as a rookie that I was like, there's no way that this isn't like defensive instincts don't go like you don't yeah. need to teach that, he, that just that's, that's just something you have, so um. Yeah, he. I just I thought he was sensational as a rookie. I think he was like one of the only rookies ever to average like the amount of blocks he averaged was like a crazy number. It's like him and like a very short list of like all, Hall of Fame players. And yeah, Wendell. I mean, it was going to be great this year too. But like Boylan again, just like scared him into not playing offense, where he's like he doesn't even look at the rim anymore. And he was a wonderful like high, he could have been a wonderful high low player with with Lowry, and. Like, you just have to carry the defense. It's just like, man, it's such a bummer, this team.
2: Yeah, good
1: players and shitty coach.
2: Yeah. So, what do you think is going to happen with the NBA the rest of the season?
3: Oh, so this is, okay. So, this is actually good. You're giving me this opportunity to talk. I I (laughs) got to love NBA. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) We got to talk NBA all day. I'm good. Uh, Yeah. So, I wanted to tweet this, but I think it was probably going to be too incendiary. But bring it. The, like when the players are talking about not playing uh, because like that makes perfect sense to me. Like I, I totally get it. Like I don't want to play because I don't want to distract from the fact that there's very real important things happening in the streets that you do not want to distract from. If I'm playing basketball and someone's watching me, that means they're not out protesting. I understand that. Yeah. I totally get that. Um, At the same time, you can do a lot of good with $1.2 billion Right, and that's how much the players stand to lose if they don't play. It's a lot
1: of money.
2: Yeah, that's a lot, one point <laughs> two billion, a billion tough. with a billion with such imagine, a double edged sword.
1: Like in the NBA finals, say it's Giannis and LeBron, or like Lakers and Bucks, and there I don't know how many people, millions of people are going to be watching that. If they come out with some sort of shirts, or they kneel during the anthem, or whatever the case, that you can protest, and they get might get more eyes on it in that moment than it's it was. It's a would. great platform. Exactly,
2: yeah. yeah, it's a huge platform. Yeah but yeah. I can understand like being feeling like yep. you're being taken away from that.
1: I understand both sides
3: completely. Yeah. Like yeah, 100%. exactly. Exactly. More of
2: that in this world. I, sometimes.
3: I, I, yeah. I just feel like uh, <laughs> we can argue at the about of, that later. Like I, ma- I, I majored in econ. It's like, I, I really enjoy like economics and studying that kind of stuff. If at the end of the day, if someone's given you at the end of the day, the calculation is, do you value like, your social justice reform worth 1.2 billion dollars. Like mm-hmm. that—that's the calculation they got to figure out. And it's like, I don't know, man. That's a lot of money to play basketball to say no to. It's not just like—I mean, Kyrie can say that. Kyrie's made a lot of money. Kyrie's got his own shoe. Kyrie makes yeah. all this kind of all, all his all Also, not, He's not playing him. the rest
1: of the year.
2: Yeah, and he loves whining and not playing. Yeah, so I don't think Kyrie's <laughs>
3: playing the rest of the year. Yeah, and, 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 exactly. Kyrie's out, anyways. And it's like, there's a lot of dudes that the, the average NBA career is four years. Like you don't have a lot of time to make your money. Yeah. And it's not like when you're done playing in the NBA, you can just like go be like a car salesman or whatever, like that you've spent your whole life becoming the best basketball player you can be. And that's
1: go overseas maybe.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's some avenues, but yeah, I agree. So
3: yeah, it's just tough to tell guys like, I I don't know. I'm just going to pick a name out, out of the, out of a hat. It's tough to tell like Marshawn Brooks. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's not even in an the NBA anymore, but it's it's stuff <laughs> it to, to tell like Dylan example. Brooks. Yeah. yeah,
1: Dylan Brooks. That's a good one.
3: Uh, yeah, Dylan Brooks. It's stuff to say like, "Yo, Dylan Brooks, like I'm gonna take your one million dollar salary that you were scheduled. It's less than that even. It's I'm gonna take your your hundreds of thousands away from you." because like we feel strongly about a thing and like it's tough to tell it all like this most of the NBA is that kind of player most of the NBA is the middle class player it's very few people like Kyrie like LeBron whatever and I mean I think Pat Beverly said it best like if LeBron says like yo let's play like that's probably what's gonna end up happening so yeah
1: he's such a player Um, leader how do you feel about the Pat Beverly saying that though because I feel like it was kind of a F you to LeBron like trying to get people's emotions going. Interesting. Cuz Pat no. Beverly and LeBron have a very rough history together.
3: So I, I love Pat Bev, he's from Chicago. I like Pat uh, Bev Chicago. too. But I'm a yeah, LeBron a fan, chi- so <laughs> He's a Chicago guy, so I can, I can never like not be for Pat I, I'm a Chicago homer through and through. I'm a Midwest homer through and through. Um at the end of the day though, like I think it's more just like showing that respect to LeBron cuz Yeah. That makes sense. Like those guys like all look up to him. Like he's Yeah he's i mean he's special he's definitely like a special he's the best player i've ever seen in my life i mean i I watched michael jordan but i was like i was like six or seven when he won his final final title so like i i have like vague memories of it but like lebron's the best player that i've watched like in person he's the best player i've watched uh just in terms of like the day to day, like what he does is incredible, yeah. and I think what he's done as like off the court as a person mm-hmm. is incredible. I just think like the degree of difficulty for LeBron could not have been higher, and he he passed in spades. Like he he never messed up. You know, you realize how hard it is to never mess yeah, up. His, and yeah. He never messed up. His
1: two biggest mistakes are the decision, which yep. whatever mm-hmm. it raised a million dollars for the Boys and Girls Club, mm-hmm. and. Yeah. Him staying silent on the China Hong Kong issue,
3: yeah, exactly. <laughs> like that's the exactly. two
1: mistakes he has ever.
3: Yeah, so like, I mean, yeah, we. I used to get on this argument on the jump all the time in our like little meetings, but like, and I, Rachel would always be surprised that I would be a LeBron stand because she would think you know you'd think I'd be an MJ stand. Yeah, from Chicago. Yep. I'm from Chicago, but like, I just think like MJ the degree of difficulty was never that high. Like, he was the third pick in the draft. He wasn't, like, expected to be, like, some savior god person. He wasn't
1: from Chicago.
3: He wasn't yeah. from Ch- Yeah, exactly. Like
1: He was a college player. He wasn't on Sports Illustrated at the age of 16 or 17 or whatever it was.
3: Yeah, so... Yeah, Smoke seventy-two I mean, cigars my, a day. Fucking,
1: yeah, big ass fucking cigars. Steve Kerr in the face. <laughs> yeah, I'd do it again. Says no, says no to a bunch of blow and alcohol and gambling. Though I don't Why know. how that that Allegedly, that? allegedly, he yeah. said that. Why I don't know if it's actually true or not. The, with those big cigars, there's no way that didn't happen. With, yeah, those yellow eyes he has, like <laughs> a lot of jaundice. There's a lot of alcohol in his life. So yeah,
3: no, no, no comment. No comment. <laughs>